wake up call with Dan Tortora. And of course, find us on our social media on Facebook at wake up call DT X, the former Twitter at call DT and on Instagram at wake up call underscore DT. It is Thursday. So you know what it is today. It is Papa Joe day, the PJ takeover day. That's what it is. The go. So the grand old smooth one is here with us today to hang out and have some fun as we always do. PJ and I are going to be talking about baseball in hour one, football in hour two. That's how we typically separate it up here for you. So we're going to have the opportunity to jump into the Major League Baseball postseason, speak on the ALCS, which the Astros got their first win of the ALCS last night, and we're able to finally get those bats going. And they are now down two to one, but they'll stay in Houston for an opportunity to tie the series. My Arizona Diamondbacks are back back in Arizona. It's been a minute since they've been out in Arizona and they are there for this matchup tonight. They're down two to nothing to the Philadelphia Phillies, but this is their first game of the NLCS in Arizona. So we'll talk about that as well. Then we'll jump into our number two college football. We'll speak on what's happening in college football right now, where certain teams are at, where certain things are going and then uh, we'll get into our college football picks for week eight. PJ's Gators and my Syracuse Orange are both taking a week off, so we uh, will not be doing their games, but we can make some notes there on how the teams are doing as they step forward. And then we'll go into the NFL and make our picks for NFL week seven and uh, and go from there. And then, of course, we'll get some thoughts in about the Jaguars who are playing tonight extra early birth. They already won for my birthday, in my opinion. I was at the game, interviewed the guys. They already defeated the Colts. That was already an early birthday gift. Now they have the opportunity of playing again tonight and uh, being the only game on television. So I'm going to be watching the Jags tonight against the Saints on the road and uh, looking forward to hopefully another birthday gift. So a lot of good stuff coming up here where sports meets life. I got PJ on the line, so let's bring him in without further ado. Papa Joe, how we doing? Good morning, Daniel. Nice of you to be down here this last weekend. We had a lot of fun, of course, celebrating your birthday and watching the Jaguars win again, of course. So it was a very fun-filled stay on your part. And now you're back up into the doldrums of Syracuse. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's back. You know what? I gotta say though, it's uh, the weather's been pretty nice, and it, it has it has it been cool. Yeah, it's definitely been fall weather, but it's uh, been super sunny today. is absolutely gorgeous. A perfect day to go see a soccer game, and I say that because the men's soccer team for Lemoyne is going to be playing on the Heights today at three p.m. Eastern time. And uh, you should definitely come out and see them. They have an opportunity to make the postseason in their first year in NCAA Division I ranks in the NEC. So you definitely should come out and support them today at 3 p.m. And when you come out to Ted Grant Field, look to the side of the field and you'll see my wake-up call banner out there as well. So big-time shout-out to the LeMoyne Dolphins, to the men's soccer team, and getting something going today. But yeah, no, it's it's been a little bit cool, but it's fall weather. I'm a fall baby. And so I can dig the weather, PJ. What I can't dig is the allergy stuff, the back and forth with the allergies. That's what I don't dig. But I do dig the fact that the sun is out today for sure. Well, that's good. You need, uh, you need some nice fall weather before the bad weather starts coming in. 
and uh, you'll know it when a little snowflake start falling and you get down to zero degrees, which is awful. But anyway, just have some um, have some nasal spray next to you so you can keep your passages clean, blow your nose, and get all that that stuff out of there. So you'll be okay. Yeah, no, definitely uh, the the fall weather and the changes uh, not always gentle on the allergies, but I hope everybody, I got to do what I got to do to uh, keep myself well and healthy. And I hope y'all are doing the same thing. So PJ, speaking of healthy and what they got to do to stay healthy, we have the uh, Houston Astros and we have the Jacks and pardon me, Jacksonville's later. We have the Houston Astros and we have the Diamondbacks both down in their series. The Diamondbacks down two games to none and the Astros winning last night when they were down two games to none. So now it's two games to one. What are your thoughts on, we'll start with the ALCS, just what you've seen from the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. They fought throughout the entire season for the rights to call themselves the NL West champions. It started as Texas. It became Houston. It went back and forth. Could have been Seattle. Ends up being Houston. Texas plays in the wild card round against the Tampa Bay Rays. Houston got to sit out the wild card round and wait until the divisional round. But now Texas has a game up on the Houston Astros. These are two teams that know each other all too well, and they've been fighting all year long, like I said. What can you say about yet another series between the NL West, Texas Rangers, and Houston Astros? Uh, Great series. Love watching these guys. Uh, I'm just a little disappointed in the way the the playoffs have been going on. Big disappointment in Baltimore, uh, Atlanta, and L.A., but that's for another thing. Uh, you got two of the best managers that have ever managed in, in baseball, uh, Bruce Bocci and Dusty Baker. Both of them have, have coached and managed over 25 years. Bocci has three world championships from San Francisco, and uh, <clears throat> Dusty Baker has one with Houston. Uh, they know what they're doing, and guess what? They actually manage the game on field on guts. They don't have all of this analytical BS flying all over the place. Well, this guy can't hit lefties and this guy can't hit righties. Forget about it. These guys know what they're doing and then they've managed the game that way. <clears throat> and I said several months ago that the, the pennant, other than Baltimore, was going through Texas or uh, Texas and, and uh, Houston. It doesn't surprise me at all. They're both excellent teams. They got it all. They got pitching, they got hitting, they got defense, and they got managers that actually manage the game. So, um, well, I watched a little bit of the games. I'm trying to keep up with everything in football, too. So, sometimes I get tired and I go to sleep. So, I read about it the next morning. Yeah, Houston showed up last night. And uh, they thought it was about pretty good. A little Altuve had a home run, very favorite player. <clears throat> and um, the pitching was decent. They winning game 8-5. to five. But the first couple of games, uh, Texas went out in front uh, easily, two to nothing. Uh, Montgomery was was pitching, pitched seven innings, only gave up a couple of hits. He was nasty from the previous series, really nasty. Uh, he's tough to beat. Period. And the second game was uh, five. Let me see. Second game was uh, five to four. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, Evoldi pitched that game. Six plus innings, five hits, three home runs. So that's their—that's what they're trying to do. They're going to get their two aces out there, 
maybe on four days rest and, and see what they can do. But Texas had to <clears throat> tried to, uh, Texas tried, oh, they got Scherzer last night and he, he got rocked pretty good. And Houston has Verlander. So both of these guys we know very well because of the Mets. And of course, I've said it a hundred times, they're both future Hall of Famers and they, they're they a little bit old in the tooth, but they still have stuff. Verlander didn't pitch that bad. Uh, he only went five innings, only gave up a couple of runs. But Scherzer got rocked last night pretty good, so they knocked the heck out of him. Texas and Houston both used the long ball uh, to score runs. Uh, one of the problems with Houston is that Kyle Tucker, who was actually maybe the MVP of the, of the American League, uh, hit 284, 29 homers, 112 RBIs. But in the playoff series, he's only two for 22, seven Ks. Now, this guy's a super, super hitter. So he had to go back to the drawing board. Maybe he had a little extra BP. Um, so he reached out last night. He was one for two, but walked three times, which is telling me he was being real selective with, with pitchers and not maybe going for things that he struck out seven times on. So they need Tucker to hit, period. They can't do it on their own. Uh, they got good players. Uh, Altuve and Bregman, but they need him big time. So therein lies the story of of, of the games. I haven't gone to uh, Arizona yet. Yeah, you know. Arizona, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. So, I mean, speaking on that series, are you surprised at all with the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros? I mean, do you think this is going to go seven? Looking at how they went up against each other all season long, how much they fought all season long, and how the division wasn't even spoken for until the final week, final few games. Do you feel like it's going to be the same way here? And even though Texas started off hot, do you see this going six or seven, or how do you look at it? Well, I, I could see maybe going six. I, I think that Texas has the advantage. Texas just hits the hell out of the ball. Uh, my favorite player and my lead for the uh, MVP, Corey Seager, is hitting very well. So is Marcus Seaman, who runs things from the top of the order. They got big time hitters with Adolis Garcia down the road. Evan Carter is a real good young player. So, yeah, Josh Jung, I think, went yard a couple times. Some of these guys are not household names, but Seaman and, and Zeger are. Mm -hmm. And these guys can set the table with the big guys coming up uh, after them. Uh, you know, the name of the game, Daniel, is always you hear me saying pitching and defense, pitching and defense. Well, Texas proved pitching was the name of the, the first couple of games, uh, even though it was a 5 4 score. A deep bullpen or a deep starting uh, rotation. So they put out Riddle Andrew, maybe trying to hope, hopefully trying to steal the first game, but he, he, he pitched well, is it? He didn't give five plus and he's just gave up two runs. I think five hits, something like that. Uh, he's, uh, he'll be, he'll be back. He'll be back. And it could be if, if perhaps maybe, uh, Houston is down and they're down to the last game. Uh, Berlander is not, doesn't, don't surprise me uh, if he pitches on three days rest. So if he can get four or five innings out of him and maybe get into the open bullpen, they can keep it going. This game will go back and forth. They got 
great hitters, great pitching, uh, some, somewhat great pitching, uh, but their field plays are, are excellent. These guys don't make any errors. They're just tough. And the managers, I, I, can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Both of them, 25 years plus, both of them have World Series wins. They both have over 1,000 wins. They, they're just good, solid baseball men and not analytical junk. They're in a, they're in a holder, and Dusty Baker's in the 70s. Lachie, I think, is in his late 60s. So who's to say that these guys can't go anymore? They use their brain, and they use their field, Daniel. They don't yeah. use any computers or anything like that. They don't say that, well, Evaldi can't pitch against right-handers because right-handers hit him. Well, you know, <laughs> you gotta you got to work on that a little bit, you know. <laughs> throw, throw some more bullpen or something. But don't give up on a guy because he can't do this or can't do that. That's what I see happening in the National League right now. Uh, National League's in a real pickle. Uh, Philadelphia just hammered the hell out of the ball uh, and, and really knocked the hell out of, of uh, Arizona's young staff. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah. to answer your questions about maybe the series going longer, I think the series goes six games. Yeah. Uh, Houston's not dead by any means. Uh, they, they can hit, they can score at, at will. Uh, Altuve and Bregman are, are just, you know, they're, they've been around for years now. They were part of the, uh, unfortunately, they were part of the cheating scandal. But they're both really good young players, and they hit the hell out of the ball. So, and they're little. They're not 6'5 and 220, you know. They're little guys, 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, Altuve's only 5'6. And uh, Bregman's probably 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, but don't try to get a fastball by him. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and and like you said, I mean, and I can see this series going longer too, just because of the fact of you know how they played each other this season thus thus far. You know, this this has been such a back and forth. It's it's been a toe to toe fight. It's you know, no one no one has. I think you know what it is though. To me, when I look at this postseason this year, and I look at the last four teams that are here, you know, the Phillies have been hot, and the Diamondbacks have been hot, and you know, the Astros, they've been pretty good, obviously, too. But I feel like the Rangers are the team right now that's the best. I, I, there's just something about their play. They're, they end up being a five seed, but there's and even though they're a five seed and even though they're in the wild card, there's just been something about the way that they've played the game, the way that they have kind of gone through this postseason. And I don't know if you feel the same way, PJ, but I feel like the Texas Rangers almost kind of present themselves like they were a number one seed because there's no number one seeds left. But they 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 look they kind of appear to be a number one ish type seed in this final four that we have in, in Major League Baseball's 2023 postseason. It's it's kind of like they're the juggernaut, and as good as Houston is, and as good as Arizona's been lately, and as good as the Phillies have been historically recently against the Braves, and they did it again, I just feel like the Texas Rangers are this team that is playing complete baseball, and I, I feel like they're maybe doing things a little bit better than everybody else in the field, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I agree with you. Uh, I like Texas here, too. I, I think Texas goes six games to do it, though. Um, they just have a, a good lineup. They're tough, tough to get out. And, you know, I hate to be redundant, but it's the managers that are setting the table for these guys. 
they know the game inside and out. They don't have to relate to anything. They don't have to look up anything. They have it all in their brain. They know that Marcus Steven and Corey Seager is, are, runs the team from the top of the order. They know that Garcia is going to be knocking in the runs. Uh, Mitch Garber too. So uh, you're not going to you're not going to change the lineup at all because they hit all they all hit well. Matt Lowe, Josh Young, uh, these guys are home run guys. Matter of fact, Young uh, hit two homers, got uh, four RBIs, and he ate five win. So he's a guy that bats eight and eight in the uh, order. So. The managers know know their pitchers. They know their hitters. Uh, there's no surprises with the teams. Uh, Bruce Bocce isn't going to throw any surprises at Dusty Baker. Uh, they, they, that's the way they don't manage. They don't manage that way. They manage with the team they have, the guys on the field, and the pitching staff. So uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be intense. I like it when if it's a two to one game or a three to two game or something like that, and the the, uh, the TVs they they pan the dugouts and they look at. They'll look at Baker with his toothpick in his mouth, of course. Bocce on the other side, uh, just grinding away, thinking, thinking way out of the game. If this happens here, what am I going to do here? If they hit him, what am I going to do next? So it, it's, it, it's, it's so much fun to watch. I, I, this is what I enjoy the best. I see two teams that, frankly, uh, are probably going to be uh, the favorite to win a World Series, whoever, whoever does it. Uh, because the D-backs are just going to be, uh, they're all out. All out, just playing the way they are right now. The Phillies do strong, but I think that uh, Texas probably will will win games, and pitching and defense is probably going to be the key, as usual. Well, and, and you know, I put the poll out for the fans. We always do sports polls on our ex former Twitter channel called ET. That's C A L L D T. And so, I would appreciate y'all voting today. If you haven't voted, go and vote now. You still have some time. So go to X, the former Twitter, and go to at CallDT, that's C-A-L-L-D-T. Click follow and see on our timeline that we have two sports polls up right now. Who will win the ALCS and who will win the NLCS? I want to get what you guys were thinking going into game three for both teams. So this was presented before last night's game. I said, who will win the ALCS, the Rangers or the Astros? This was Rangers, then it was Astro. Well, it was Rangers, then it was 50-50. Right now, it's 58.3% Texas Rangers, 41.7% say the Houston Astros. So that stayed close. And then I asked you who will win the NLCS between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies. Six point, pardon me, 8.3% say Arizona. 91.7% of you say the Philadelphia Phillies. I have had, you know, I, I love the first game. I love the way Arizona fought back. The second game got away from them, which was, you know, tough to see, obviously, as an Arizona Diamondbacks fan. But I'm hopeful that going home can re-energize and reset and regroup this team, just like I spoke about with the Jaguars when they went to their home away from home. So, PJ, what are your thoughts on the NLCS, Arizona Diamondbacks and Philadelphia Phillies? Arizona came in on a streak of running through the wild card without an issue, two to nothing, then running through the NLDS against the Dodgers, three to nothing. They had not lost a game in the postseason until the NLCS. What are your thoughts on the Diamondbacks and the Phillies? Well, first I got to say how disappointed I am in uh, Atlanta and L.A. I uh, was really uh, touting L.A. to win it all. Uh, as well as Atlanta, I both uh, sort of 50-50. Uh, 
Atlanta just had the bashers. They had the, be- the better players, the better hitters. Uh, Los Angeles had good hitters, but better pitching at a time when it wasn't that important. When it was important was when the Dodgers spit the bit. Uh, three of their guys are on uh, injured reserve because of of, of, of injuries. Walker Bueller is one of my favorite pitchers, and he's not going to flip. He may not pitch next year either. But, you know, to, to, to put the ball in Kershaw's hand, uh, for, again, I've got a, a Hall of Fame player, period. Uh, when he first pitched against his Arizona in the first game, his ball was flat, his curveball wasn't curving, his splitter wasn't doing anything, and a good young team like Arizona just took their rips on him and just knocked the hell out of him. Um, so watching that game, and I said, hey, they're toast. And I was right because Arizona came back came and, and won a series easy. Uh, Atlanta was another a different story. They, they had no excuse at all. They had pitching, and they had defense, and they had tremendous hitting. Tremendous hitting. Uh, but they didn't do it, and they're not here. So the two best teams in the National League are playing right now. And Arizona looks like they're a little overmatched, but uh, they're, they're a good young team. They're a scrappy bunch. They got some good players. Not some great players yet, but some good players. Um, but I, what I what disturbs me about Arizona is that their manager they had to go with their two big their two aces or their one ace and one ace and a half a gallon. Uh, they needed gallon to win this first game of the series, and he didn't pitch very well. Five innings plus eight hits, five runs. Uh, that's not going to do it against a team like Philly. Uh, the second game, they threw Kelly five innings, three hits, four in runs. So neither one of these young men got the job done. So now, where does where does Arizona turn now? I don't, I don't know because I don't know the pitching staff that well. Yeah. <clears throat> but Philadelphia is a brazen group of guys. They got some sluggers. It's knocked the hell out of the ball. Uh, they're they run. Their team is run not really from the top but from the middle down because of their sluggers. The only difference is Cali Schwarber, who leads it all, who can't hit, the keeps hits below the Mendoza line for two years. And what is he, he leads off and he hits something like 35 home runs and knocks in 100 runs. Goes to show you that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to hit 300 to be a leadoff hitter. And that's what, that's what Schwarber does. Um, and of course he went out a couple times already, so. Philadelphia's team from top to bottom uh, is difficult to get out. You you can get by Schwarber maybe sometimes, but you got Trey Turner sitting there, and you, you got Bryce Harper cleaning things up. You got Alex Bohm cleaning things up. You got Riamuto, who's one of my favorite players. He got three runs in the other night. Uh, the problem with huge the problem with Arizona is that they've got to keep this third game close. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the manager uh, pitches by committee here. Maybe the starter will get two innings and uh, one inning here, one inning there, inning two thirds here. So he's going to have to he's going to have to mix it up to try to keep the Phillies off balance. And I don't know who they got, uh, but it, it's going to be a tough road, a tough road for for Arizona. I don't I don't think that they're going to. They win the series. I don't. I don't think so. But the series may go five games, may go six games. 
But Arizona's got to show some spunk here tonight. Five o'clock's the game, and whatever they're, whatever whoever they're throwing, uh, they got to have it. They got to have it, and they got to have it good. They got to get at least two or three innings out of their starter because Philly's going to be swinging for the fences, and they should. One thing you can't do with Philadelphia is you can't get cute with them. You yeah. can't think, oh, Swarbrick leads off. He got he struck out a million times. He can't even hit two hundred. Yeah, but try to throw a fastball by him. I try to throw a slow curve by him. You'll find a 420 feet in the seats. So Turner's the same way with Bryce Harper. All these guys hit fastballs real well. One thing that baseball fans maybe aren't, aren't aware of is that minor league players, when they're, they're playing the game, they already know the game because they played in high school and college, most of them. And then, then they go to the minor leagues and they, they play and they hit. One thing that the, the, our fans maybe aren't familiar with is that when when young players come up through this through the system, all of them, mostly all of them, can hit fastballs. They they feasted on fastballs when they were younger, and their problems occur when they get in the major leagues and they have they they face pitchers that throw curveballs, sliders, and changeups. And you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna see these kids. Swing and miss a lot because they're not quite used to that kind of pitching. So when they come to the major leagues, they, they got to be ready to hit the off-speed stuff. And Philly's, Philly's got the, the pitchers to do that for Arizona. Arizona's going to have to be patient. Uh, I, I know they got some good young players, and uh, and justifiably so, they won, they've, won, they've won going forward, which is what I want to say, and now they're up against it. So they got to watch <clears> – <throat> What I used to do is watch the guys warm up in a bullpen. If I saw Philadelphia's pitcher warming up in a bullpen, if I was a manager or maybe an older player, and I'd look at that pitcher and I'd say, I'd seen that the uh, the pitcher isn't throwing fastballs warming up. He's yeah. throwing sliders and he's throwing changeups and things like that. That's telling me right there that he's going to use those pitchers in the game. And you got to be ready for it. You have to be aware before the game starts not just when the game starts. You got to know. You got to look at the other pitchers. You got to see what does he got. Just because the pitcher warms up doesn't mean that he can't be looked at. Of course he can. And even after every inning, if he comes back on the next inning, he throws four or five pitches. Uh, he's not going to. He's not going to give away his pitches over there. But in the bullpen, you should be able to watch the starting pitchers and see what's happening. And also with the relievers that come in, look, they know each other. They know these players. The managers know the other players. It's just that they're put in, it's called situational baseball. And if you're put in, if Arizona's put in a situation where their young team can't scrap back, you're going you're gonna to see they're going to, their faces are longer. They're walking slumped over, you know, a little bit. It, they're just a young team. They're a good young team. So let's, let's not, let's not put them in the grave yet. Let's wait to see what Philly, Philly's going to be in with a lot of conference. They're going to be swinging from their heels. And a good, the good thing about, Arizona, if they're going to pitch this game and pitch it good, they need to come in with, with off-speed stuff and keep the big hitters of Philadelphia on the bench. Yeah, you know, and that the thing is, you know, defensively, there was some good things that they did. You know, there were some good moments, especially in game one when they lost the game five to three. You know, they just couldn't get those bats the last couple innings, but there were some good things that the Diamondbacks did in that first game. And 
I am such a devout Diamondbacks fan that I watched that game 30,000 feet in the air on my plane ride from Jacksonville to Syracuse. So I got on the plane, flew back home, watched the Diamondbacks on television in the air because I refused to miss a game. And I was able to see it. So, you know, all the way to the end. And, And I feel like, you know, defensively, they made some good moves. I think... In the first game, there were certain things that – pardon me, in the second game, Merrick Kelly, there were some things that, you know, he was doing. It's just those bats kind of ignited. And the thing is, you're in Philadelphia. We, we know about the crowd, right? You're in Philadelphia. It's loud. It's it's crazy. They got the towels out. They're constantly, you know, involved in the game so the atmosphere is against you, and once those bats start going, that's against you. But what, what Arizona needs to remember, what I want them to remember and think about, is the fact that this is not David versus Goliath. This is you versus the Phillies. You can't look at the Phillies and say, they're supposed to win. They're better than us. They did this last year. They almost won a World Series. You don't have to think about any of that stuff. It's easy to. But the biggest thing, the biggest note that I would have for the Arizona Diamondbacks is everybody counted you out up to this point except for you guys. So nobody needs to count you in because you won enough games to get into the postseason without people counting you in. You won the wild card without people counting you in. You won the NLDS against the mighty Dodgers without anybody counting you in. So don't expect people to count you in. You've been the underdog the entire time. Stay the underdog. Appreciate being the underdog. Embrace it. Embrace the chaos. That's their hashtag. Embrace the chaos. You have been the chaos. You are the team that doesn't belong. You're the team that doesn't fit. You're the team that doesn't make sense. You're the team that people didn't expect. So if you're going to have the hashtag embrace the chaos, then you have to embrace yourselves more than anybody else. If you're asking them to embrace it, then you embrace the chaos. Embrace the fact that you're there. Embrace the fact that the Phillies are the team that people expect to win, just like the Dodgers, and before that, just like the Brewers, and do what you did to the other teams. Be who you are. Stay poised. Stay focused. Stay mentally strong. Stay mentally tough. And when the bats start going for the Phillies, get those bats going. You've proven at Arizona that you can get those bats going, you can do it early, and you can be that team that doesn't ever go away and doesn't give it up. So even if the Phillies, and this was my concern with this series, because Arizona had been striking first so often, and because they struck first against the Dodgers over and over and over again, I said to myself, when they play a team like the Phillies in Philadelphia, if Philly strikes first, can they stay poised? Can they stay focused? because their bats have been going before everybody, before the Dodgers in the prior series. So if your bats don't get going as soon as the other team and you have to play on the flip side, can you come back? Can you control what you could control? Can you stay focused, stay poised, stay calm? And now that Arizona is going back home, change of scenery, hopefully will be good. I haven't given up on them. I'll never going to give up on them. I told you before we got on the air that I couldn't watch it and I was upset, but the reality is I have gone back and forth, right? I have watched it. I do support them. And it's not even that I'm upset with the Diamondbacks. It's that I want them to do something better than what I would do in the past, which is shut out the outside noise, play your team baseball. You're still the Diamondbacks. You still have the same pitchers. You have the same roster. No matter who you play, you're still the Diamondbacks. 
And the mighty Dodgers were higher than the Phillies, were the number two seed, and you ran through them without an issue. So all I have to say to Arizona is remember who you are, focus on who you are, shut out the outside noise, and don't buy into the Phillies hype. Embrace the chaos that you've asked us all to embrace. Do it yourselves and be who you are. Well, that's a good speech, but they still got to play the game, Daniel. I know. Uh, they still have to play the game. Uh, one thing that you also you realize when when players get in this kind of position in the playoffs, noise noise doesn't mean anything to them. I mean, uh, Arizona may have been rattled uh, because the Phillies fans were so loud. Well, when you're when you're playing left field and running down a fly ball and you couldn't catch it, or you're at bat and you're one and two and you're looking for a slider outside and there are people are yelling and screaming, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Noise does not bother these guys. The professional players, it doesn't bother them. If they get if they get rattled, then they have a problem internally with themselves. But these look at if if the Diamondbacks are up two to one in an eighth inning and Kyle Schwarber comes up, and if people are screaming and yelling and waving their flags all over the place, and not going to bother Schwarber at all, <laughs> not going to bother Trey Turner or any of these guys, you know, just like it's not going to bother the, the the Arizona guys. But the, the, the 10 nothing game was, I, I saw that they had some long faces, and they just, things got away from them quickly, uh, and they, they, they didn't respond. So, you know, you throw that one away. No, no, neither one of these games are going to be like a 12 to nine game or 11 to seven or something like that. I, I, I assume the rest of the games are going to be close uh, because of pitching. Now, Arizona's got to find a way to pitch tonight. And my, my prediction is they're going to pitch by committee. That's the only way they can win a game. Uh, they're going to have to go with five or six pitchers if they, if they have to, if they don't, the ideal if their starter would go four innings or something like that, but, you know, Arizona has to win this game, and there's they have to do it. Maybe maybe not by the book. They got to maybe do something different. So if they can keep Philadelphia off balance with uh, a pitching by committee or something like that, then they still have a chance. But if you if you if they get off to a good start in Arizona and they start yelling and screaming over there, it's not going to make any difference to Philadelphia. They're they're still going to get up there and still going to swing the bat. Uh, 50,000 fans don't hit a fastball. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's just focus. I mean, I think, and it was, like I said, it was my concern and it's still my concern and maybe it'll help in Arizona, but hopefully it will. But my concern was, you know, the, the mighty Phillies, you're coming down to crunch time. Can you focus, right? Can the Diamondbacks focus on this series? Can they focus on the task at hand or will they get caught up in the hype of it? Will they get caught up in the emotion of it? Will they get caught up in the, you know, now it's now it's real, right? Now it's now you're in a place where you're so very close to being there. And that's what I, you know, don't want to happen. I want them to just stay focused, stay poised. You know, may the best team win is is what it is. And I know how good the Phillies have been in recent history here. And the Phillies are a really tough test. They're you know, a very, very difficult test. But at the same time, my hope and my belief is that, you know, this Diamondbacks team has what it takes to make this series interesting, to bring it back home and be who they are. I don't want to believe that, you know, they their mind kind of got violated a little bit, you know, that the Phillies got in there. But 
maybe they did, you know, maybe being in that atmosphere, maybe being, and like you said, 50,000 people don't hit the fastball, but they, they also, there's something to be said about how fans can affect a game, how fans can affect, you know, a series and, and how they can affect where you are. And we always talk about home field or home court advantage. So now that they're in Arizona, now that they have a time to regroup, now they have the time to go back home and reset, hopefully they could do exactly that because you can't let a team get into your head. You can't let anybody get into your head and rent a loft apartment. And I just was a little concerned that the Arizona Diamondbacks maybe got into this moment and were like, oh my gosh, you know, and you can't do that because any team who's told they can't get somewhere eventually there's that moment where they get to a certain point and they can look around and be like, oh my gosh, we're here and we're not supposed to be. You got to stay locked in. You got to stay focused. I mean, this is a team that's had an incredible season already, but they're not done. They're back two games in a four game series. They're at home in Arizona for the next three, if they can get it to that point. So my, my advice to the Arizona Diamondbacks, play your baseball, play your style, and in your mind, play like you're at home every single game. Because even when you're in Philadelphia, you're really not if in your mind you are focused on baseball. It doesn't matter where you are. You just shut it out. You got the rookie of the year on your team in Corbin Carroll. You have pitchers that have shown their worth. You got a rookie pitcher tonight in Fad that's going to be out there doing his thing again. And you have an opportunity to go to the World Series. So all I have to say to the D-backs is, be who you've been the whole time, a team that people counted out, but you counted yourselves in. And if anybody needs an example in life of, you know, what do I do when people tell me they hate me or they don't like me or I can't make it? What happens when people stand against me? Well, let the Diamondbacks be an example to you. When people stand against you, it doesn't mean anything. If you don't believe it, who cares? And Arizona hasn't believed anything but themselves. And now I want to see Arizona kind of get their mojo back, get their groove back, and get their focus back and make this an interesting game, PJ. They don't have to score 11, right? But they got to get out there and they got to show what they've been doing. They're one of the best defensive teams in baseball, and they've proven that. They're also one of the best teams in stealing bases. So I want to see some more excitement, and I want to see the D-backs be the D-backs. Snakes might toy with you, but eventually they're just looking for that angle where they can bite you in the right spot. So Hopefully, they'll find the angle tonight. Well, it, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, but they're playing early because there's football tonight. Yeah. And they don't want to go to football. So, uh, the game will be at 5 o'clock. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm sure that the other teams, uh, Texas and, and Houston, will be watching the game, too, because they know, uh, they'd like to know what's happening. And uh, there's, there's a good chance that either one of those teams will be playing, either one of the teams that are playing now. So, I don't, I don't look for anything different from Philly. I think they're going to just rear back and swing. And uh, Arizona's got to play a little bit more. Uh, maybe they got to uh, hit and run a little bit more instead of a home run. So, But, look, they have managers to do that stuff. They put players in positions to make plays. Let them make plays. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we go from here. Any final notes on baseball before we take a step aside? Justin, I'm so disappointed in Atlanta and, and L.A., <laughs> the way they play. Um, Credits to the Diamondbacks for knocking off uh, the Dodgers. But, geez, I didn't see this coming from Atlanta. My goodness. I mean, they got the 
in my opinion, they got the best player in baseball in the National League, which is Ronald Acuna, going to win the MVP. And they had the guy leading the league in home runs and, and uh, RBIs and Olsen. Um, they couldn't do anything. They looked like their own rookie team out there. Um, when you're in, sometimes these guys, sometimes they read too much about themselves. Oh, this guy does this, this guy does this, this guy does this. And, you know, it just sort of upsets the apple cart a little bit. Well, look at it. Every game starts zero and zero. And frankly, every, every batter starts zero and zero. Not 325 homers and 150 RBIs. That's not the way it is. Every bat is, every bat is, uh, crucial. And for Atlanta to lay down like that, even against a Philly team that they knew, uh, and wasn't as good at pitching and hitting as Philly, they didn't have it. And then, so here we are with, Two teams that really shouldn't be there because of what we thought about, I thought, especially, was L.A. and Atlanta. I thought they were going to walk through what they were going to do uh, and, you know, play for the National League Senate. That's not what happened. So they got to sit back and think about what happened and what they didn't do in, in certain situations. So uh, the two teams that are playing now are the best in the National League, and we just have to watch them play ball, that's all. Yeah, so we'll see what happens here as, you know, the battle for Texas happens on one side with the ALCS. And in the NLCS, we have Philadelphia versus Arizona, the East Coast versus the West Coast, respectively. So we will see as two games will go on tonight and these series will continue on forward from here as long as they need to in the best of seven that we are at right now. And uh, we will see the Diamondbacks on uh, tonight. We'll see them and we'll see them tomorrow night. If they are to win either one of these games, the Diamondbacks will also be playing on my birthday. So they'll be playing on my birthday at 8.07 p.m. Eastern time on TBS. Just let people know that. So with that being said, we're going to take a step aside for a fast break. When PJ and I come back, we will shift gears into college football. We'll talk about what's going on because PJ was off last week from the show. So we'll get his thoughts on the college football world. We'll take a look at the rankings of college football so I can get angry and PJ can laugh. And uh, we'll have a good time with all of that. So we'll look at that. We'll look at the schedule. We'll look how things are going. And then obviously we'll make our picks for the upcoming week in college football. This being a week, uh, week eight, pardon me. And then we'll shift to the NFL and do our NFL Week 7 picks. And from there, we'll talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's all coming up on the PJ Takeover. Papa Joe and myself, Dan Tortora, a.k.a. DT, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora with you worldwide on Facebook.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, YouTube.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, and on Wake Up Call DT.podbean.com. Avicoli's, located on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, has been your trusted neighbor for decades. Located just steps from Liverpool High School, we're happy to have the Liverpool Warriors on-site, on-location broadcast at Avicoli's through Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every single month, featuring student-athletes, coaches, and administration throughout the year from Liverpool High School. Head out to Avicoli's today on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, 
open Tuesday through Sunday for lunch, dinner, and drinks. We'd love to see you out there. And of course, you can call them at 315-622-5100 for takeout, delivery, and catering. That's 315-622-5100. And also find them on myavicolis.com. That's myavicolis.com. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? <laughs> so take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. <laughs> now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9 campground.com for more information that's the letter k the number nine and campground spelled with a k.com k9campground.com when you're going out of town bring your dog to canine campground PB&J's Lunchbox, the food truck that you love finding all throughout Central and Upstate New York, now has a street-side cafe. So when you're craving their traditional favorites as well as their out-of-box amazing menu items, you can now head to 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, located just minutes from the highway, the thruway, Destiny USA, and Onondaga Lake Parkway. PB&J's Lunchbox street-side cafe is there for you Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner all throughout the day. Get breakfast for dinner, dinner for lunch, whatever you fancy, including their award-winning grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Find them at 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York. PB&J's Lunchbox, where we love to know what's in your lunchbox. This is a special message from 317 at Montgomery restaurant owner Joel Carpenter. Open Tuesday through Saturday for your dining pleasure on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. We wanted to be a part of the resurgence of Syracuse. We saw uh, a lot of money being put into bringing people back downtown and thought that, you know, we'd like to be a part of that. I love putting together a good dish where people see it first, they fall in love with it, and then it tastes just as good as it looks. We want to provide the best food in Syracuse that we possibly can, and we want you to leave here talking to your family, your friends about what you had to eat first and foremost, but also our service and to walk out feeling like you're part of our family. I work out in the front of the house a lot, and I love walking to every single table, asking them how everything is, and people looking at me and smiling and saying, this is the most amazing short rib I've ever had. This is the most amazing filet I've ever had. And Donna is great. Sarah's amazing. Thank you for coming over and talking to us. And, and them just being truly happy for the experience that they've gotten.
317 at Montgomery Restaurant, part of the fabric of downtown Syracuse, located on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York, open Tuesday through Saturday for a unique and memorable dining experience. Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory remind us that every day is worth celebrating. Find them at 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. Open Monday through Saturday in-store and all the time online at maandpazpopcorn.com. Serving our Central New York community and beyond, you can order all throughout the country at maandpazpopcorn.com. And remember to get your tins, which have in-store half-price refills forever. Ma and Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, available to you for fundraising and all of your events by calling 315-450-6272. That's 315-450-6272. Ma and Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory. How corny are you? This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacted the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, and we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so, you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. And then lastly. The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, hanging out with you where sports meets that thing called life. I hope you're having yourselves a wonderful morning this morning. We, of course, are here on the broadcast and uh, always happy on a Thursday to welcome the grand old smooth one, the Goso, the PJ, the Papa Joe, whatever you want to call them. What did my grandma say? Call me whatever you want. Just don't swear at me. That's what my grandma always said. So Papa Joe here on the show today and happy to have him here with us uh, always uh, weekly on the broadcast. We were off last week as I was pulling double duty and uh, doing wake-up call specials that you all got to watch 
and at the same time down in New York City. Hard to believe it was a week ago, but I was down in New York City uh, last week for three days, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for Super Powered Pop to network and build relationships in the entertainment, illustration, and writing world, as well as to uh, see some cool things, see some new things, take some pictures, get some video, and all that good stuff. So uh, I got a ton of things that we're going to be doing on Super Powered Pop. So it is another show in Dan Tortora Broadcast Media. And I would love it if you could go and give that a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at Super Powered Pop. That's Super Powered, P-O-W-E-R-E-D, Pop, Super Powered Pop. So make sure you go and uh, do that today. And I appreciate everybody that supports the show and has supported the show. So many thanks. You can also search us on YouTube and find us there as well. So a lot of good stuff coming up here. It's time to jump into college football. And uh, we did get a question coming in uh, from Greg. Is Trevor Lawrence playing tonight? If so, what kind of performance are we going to see from him against a pretty solid Saints defense? Well, you know, they did sign Nathan Rourke again, which to me was a sign of security, right? Because you bring in another quarterback when Trevor has, you know, is, is announced as having a knee injury. And then you go and sign a quarterback within the next couple of days. That to me says something. Definitely says something, right? They already have. Uh, somebody backing him up, but they brought in uh, Nathan Rourke, brought him back onto the team. Uh, It's a knee sprain. Uh, There's optimism that he can play. This might be something that, you know, Doug Peterson just holds on to until the last possible second. So, you know, we shall see. I mean, if if we talk about kind of where things are at, you know, we look at this. uh, He hasn't missed a game in his NFL career with this being his third season. And, you know, he has uh, he has a long run of games played. Now, he's been hampered by a knee sprain that happened toward the end of the Jaguars 37 to 20 victory over the Colts that I was there for. Uh, We had the opportunity to talk with Trevor after the fact. And, you know, he was standing up at that podium and we were having a nice conversation. He's listed as questionable, but he said, quote, I'm going to do everything I can to be out there. I feel a lot better today than I would have thought. I think I'm progressing and I'm going to do everything I can to be out there on Thursday. End quote. The offensive coordinator, Press Taylor, said that the training staff would make the final decision. He said, quote, as long as Trevor's in a position where he can't injure himself or as long as he gives us the best chance to win the game and without risking himself or whatever that may be, then that's what we continue to do. End quote. So, you know, they're watching this thing, making sure that he doesn't get himself hurt. C.J. Beathard came out for the final snaps there to be in victory formation. And Nathan Rourke is back on the team, like I said, uh, bringing him from the practice squad to the active roster. So there he's there just in case, which obviously is a sign that potentially Trevor could not play in this game or maybe not play as much in this game. But, you know, you got to have an insurance policy. I know we're going to talk about the NFL in a little while, PJ, but are you hearing anything down in North Florida? Well, I saw that interview yesterday uh, that uh, Dunkin' Donuts had, and that he was mic'd up on the game. Uh, he looked he looked pretty solid to me. He sounded good, and uh, the things that he's going to play, Daniel, come on, the kid, the kid hasn't missed a game and since he's been in the pros, and uh, he'll play. He'll play. He may not 
you know, run the ball, which he shouldn't anyway. Yeah. Uh, but instead of him maybe speaking all four or five yards every once in a while, he just ought to go down. But uh, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna see the offensive open up a little bit. Um, they need to get to the wide receivers a little bit better than they are. Uh, he's he's dialed in with Ridley already, and but Ridley can still stretch the field, and they need to they need to get some long stuff going. He may be throwing for good percentages and a lot of passes, a lot of completions. Um, but he didn't throw for a lot of yards, in my opinion. Uh, he needs he needs uh, the other wide receivers to step in. So uh, I'm sure that Bethard has been working with the first team, but um, I'm I'm I believe that that Trevor will play. Yeah, I would be surprised if we don't see him at all. You know, I don't know if we're going to see him necessarily for you know the the whole thing. I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes, but I would I would be surprised. If if we didn't see Trevor for a little bit, <clears throat> and I I just think, you know, like we both talked about, he has started every game. He's he's played in every game since he's come in to the league. So I, I don't imagine that you know we're not going to see him tonight. You know, <clears throat> and and again, I mean. He wasn't in anything, you know, it's it's a knee sprain. He wasn't in a brace. He didn't have ice or anything on it. He was at the podium standing there with shorts and a T-shirt on when we spoke to him. So, you know, and if it was something really crazy, they might have said, like, oh, he's not talking to the media today or whatever that may be. So, you know, I, I, I'm cautious, and I think the team is cautious based on what Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, said, and they should be. But I also like their mentality of saying, hey, like, We'll put him out there as long as he's not going to injure himself. As long as we're not, you know, putting him in a position that's that's not good for him and his body. Because, you know, other teams would be like, yeah, he's our quarterback. We're going to throw him out there. You know, like if he gets knocked out, whatever. And, you know, in, in the case of, of Trevor, for them to say, hey, you know, we want to make sure that we're not putting him, him in harm's way, so to speak. I respect that tremendously from the Jaguars. And expect nothing less from an organization that I've respected for such a long time. So, you know, hopefully things will go well. I would imagine he's going to play and, you know, we're going to have a good game, good game tonight. So, you know, I, Trevor's a trooper and, you know, you can't honestly say that. I mean, think about when he was at Clemson, uh, Evan Foster from Syracuse knocked him out of a game, right. And uh, by the sideline clean hit, but knocked him out of a game. And, beyond me thinking of that moment, I don't really know if I can think of a time where Trevor was out except for when they told him he couldn't play when he had been around someone who had COVID. And then the Notre Dame fighting Irish won the game and 10,000 fans stormed the field. And we were all talking about social distancing and having a mask on. And here's Trevor with a mask on, not allowed to play. And 10,000 fans are running by his face, banging into him. And I thought, wow, uh, okay, preferential treatment for Notre Dame a little bit. And what is this COVID? We can't be around each other, but we're going to let them storm the field when we don't let one guy play the game. So it, it was uh, definitely interesting. But, I mean, Trevor's usually out there. He's usually playing. And I think the biggest thing is if this is a serious thing that could knock him out for the rest of the season, Jacksonville, I would imagine, is going to be smart on this. And if not, then he'll play. But the insurance policy of bringing up Nathan Rourke from the practice squad and already having C.J. Beathard is a move that I'm paying very close attention to. I saw that move and I thought to myself, OK, maybe they're a little concerned. 
But ultimately, we'll see what happens. This team's got a lot of talent, a lot of good guys. C.J. Beathard's been in the system, and he's been around for a minute with Trevor, and that's going to be helpful too. So we'll see, Papa Joe. But, you know, I I would imagine we're going to see Trevor out there at least in the beginning of the game, and hopefully he's healthy enough to go the whole way. Well, this is a this is a game that I think, uh, without them saying it, I think the defense has to win. Uh, if, if Lawrence plays, say half the game, or he's crippled, or he's not moving up, moving as well as he should, and the game is ten to seven or thirteen to ten or something like that, you know, this is a game that, that you got to rely on your defense to win. And and, and well, we saw it last week where they just knocked the heck out of the Minshew. So Minshew threw for a lot of yards too, but they bent, but they didn't break. Yeah. Um, this is a, this is a game that, uh, and I'm, and I'm sure the defensive team is thinking, Hey, our stud may not be able to be a hundred percent. So we got to win the game, go after the ball, cover fumbles, hit hard, intercept passes, do what you got to do. So if that's what I'll, that's what I think will happen. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see as we get closer to it, and obviously I'll be monitoring that as well in my coverage of the Jaguars. You're going to be able to listen back to all my one-on-ones with the Jacksonville Jaguars in individual interviews that are going to be airing right after the show today. You already heard them on Tuesday's broadcast. You'll be able to dial them up on any one of your podcasting platforms, so make sure that you pay attention to that today. And if you haven't already, make sure that you go to Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts, Player FM, Podbean, Podchaser.com, Podvine, Spotify, or tune in as well as YouTube and like and follow Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora or one word, Wake Up Call DT. If you follow me, then you'll be updated whenever I put a new broadcast up so you won't miss the broadcast and you won't miss out on whenever something gets loaded up to these sites. So make sure you follow us and like us on these platforms so you can go back and listen to all those Jaguars interviews with the team being four and two and having regrouped and refocused like we spoke about going into their London trip and on a three-game winning streak Darius Williams in this three-game winning streak has an interception in every single one of those three games we'll see if that can continue tonight so PJ let's jump into college football we have yeah go ahead sure how do you remember all those sites well, number one, I trust my memory, and number two, I have a graphic up here, so in case, so I ha- I have that up as as well to help people out. But the way that you remember it is, if I go alphabetical, then you try to remember the logos in your face. In, in you know, I try to have that photographic memory. So if I say if I say Amazon Music, then I know Audible's next to that, then I know iHeart's next to that, and then iTunes, and then when you go to the next line. You know that Player FM, Podbean, Podchaser, Podvine, Spotify, TuneIn, you know that those are all in a row and in alphabetical order. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's all what right. I would say. That's what I would say. So, what'd you say? That's all right. We're going to college. I just needed to know that. I mean, you do it so quickly that uh, I know you got to memorize, but hell, I don't even know half of them, <laughs> what, what they are. But well, I, uh, no, I mean, and, and I'll do it with phone numbers too. Like I don't, I don't have phone. And I got asked this a long time ago in my first uh, home studio. I got asked that uh, years and years ago. They were like, do you have a post-it note that tells you like 
the phone numbers of all the places. And I was like, no. They said, how do you remember? I'm like, I just do. Avicoli's 315-622-5100. Like, I mean, it's just something that I thank God for and appreciate and uh, hope I have it my whole life because I love uh, I love my brain. And when you get your brain to work for you and not against you, that's a good thing. And, you know, mental health is important. So take care of yourselves, people. Looking at college football, there are eight undefeated teams left. They're all ranked in the top 10. The eight undefeated teams left are Georgia at 7-0, Michigan at 7-0, Ohio State at 6-0, Florida State at 6-0, Washington at 6-0, Oklahoma at 6-0, Penn State at 6-0, and North Carolina at 6-0. North Carolina has defeated a ranked Miami team 41-31, and North Carolina's played all of their games except for one of those games at home, which was against Pittsburgh on the road. So North Carolina's had a Big Ten schedule, basically, getting to play all these games at home. Penn State is 6-0. and They have not played, oh, pardon me, they played ranked Iowa and defeated them 31 to nothing. Outside of that, they have not played a single ranked team this season. We take a look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma has played Texas and beat them 34-30. to All the other teams that they have faced have been unranked. And when we look at the Washington Huskies, they played ranked Oregon, who I think was ranked too high, but they beat them 36 to 33. They haven't played another ranked team besides that. Looking at Florida State, Florida State, who I consider to be the number one team in the country, even though they're not ranked as such, they have defeated uh, ranked LSU, and then they played a bunch of other unranked teams. However, they played Clemson 31-24 in a big time uh, game. Ohio State has played one ranked team this year, ranked way too high, and they always are, Notre Dame, and they beat Notre Dame 17 to 14. Michigan has not played a single ranked team this season. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Indiana, and apparently that makes you the number two team in the nation when you play a schedule that if Syracuse had, they wouldn't even be ranked in the top 25. And then Georgia, has defeated a ranked Kentucky, and they haven't played any other ranked teams, and uh, they have played at Auburn and at Vanderbilt. So again, I think the most battle-tested team in this top 10, arguably, is is Florida State, which I think should be the number one ranked team in in the country. But I'd love to get your thoughts, PJ. The rankings in the coaches poll and the AP are exactly the same, one through one through five, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington. Agree or disagree? Oh, I, I got to say disagree because I think the Big Ten teams are ranked too high. But, you know, I keep saying that. You keep saying that. Uh, the pundits don't say that. They just they just look at the They just look at the game. Oh, Ohio State scored 30 points and 35 points and Michigan scored 80 points and that kind of stuff. You know, I don't I don't listen to that. You gotta you gotta look at who they play and where they play them. Now, with Penn State coming to Ohio State this weekend, maybe we'll see what both of these teams are made of. If Penn State gets run out of the joint, they're gonna be in. They'll probably be number twenty. Uh, and then you got Tennessee and Alabama, both ranked seventeen or eleven. Alabama would be the favorite there. And if Tennessee, if Alabama wins, Tennessee's out of the twenty-five. So there. There aren't really that many good games to watch. Uh, I do have a whole list of them here, but 
I sometimes I get confused about what, what I'm thinking about. Um, Florida State, and I hate to keep be redundant about things, but you and I saw this coming three years ago. And it, now that it's fruition, uh, I can definitely see that the Florida State is probably the best team in the country. Uh, I don't know right now if they can beat Georgia because they really haven't been tested. Uh, Jordan Daniels hasn't. He hasn't been, he hasn't been, well, he's been knocked on his ass a few times. That's what, it, that's what needs to happen with a guy like him. Um, FSU is going to stay sharp at least until the Florida game. Well, they're going to play North Carolina sometime. I don't know when, but um, that, that'll be a good test. But the Florida game will probably be one that uh, will probably put them at the very top because I think the rest of the team's are going to flounder. You know, when you, when, it's very difficult as a pundit to, to look at these games and try to figure out what section of the country or what conference is better than the others. Yeah. And when I watched Washington and Oregon the other day, I loved it the way they ran up and down the field. I knew that that was going to happen. I mean, we could see it coming. Washington scores a million points. Oregon scores a million points. Uh, uh, that, that was fun. I mean, and they play fast, which is, you know, one of my, my favorite ways of, of watching football. They, they don't play fast run right. They just play fast, 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 fast. So uh, that, that, that was one. That was unbelievable. Um, other than that, you know, the, the really, when you get two two teams that are good defensively and good offensively and, and from a strong conference and they, they play the same teams and they, you can measure things like the SEC, you, you, you can come up with some scenarios. Um, Florida has a weekend off yeah. after a very good win at South Carolina in the last minute with Graham Wirtz thrown for 423 yards. Now, Georgia looked at that game and says, whoops, I don't want to see that Florida team two weeks from now. Florida has the week off. They do every year before the Georgia game, and they still wind up losing to Georgia. So I don't know what Billy Napier can do different to try to beat Georgia. But if anyone's going to beat Georgia in their schedule, it's going to be Florida. So uh, Georgia has a little weakness. They don't look as strong as I thought they would be. Although Carson Beck just is, he's a bigger version of Stetson. Uh, uh, he's a bigger version of Stetson. Uh, he's 6'3", 220, can throw the hell out of the ball. Uh, like him a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the games, but not a lot of them. I think the Penn State-Ohio State game is probably going to be a, uh, the game to watch for the pundits who are looking for a strong team in the country. And, of course, Duke and Florida State, um, even though that's uh, supposed to be a good game, won't be a good game because Duke, just player-wise, can't match up with the speed of Florida State's got. You got Utah and USC, both teams in the, in the top 20. Uh, Utah look real good beginning of the year when they beat Florida. USA, USC laid an egg last week. So we'll just see how good Caleb Williams is now. Yeah. So we got some games to talk about. Yeah, we do. And and I do want to make a note here, and I want to apologize to Liberty and to Air Force. Uh, they are also undefeated. So my apologies on not making a note of that. Uh, Air Force is ranked 22 in the country at 6-0. and They defeated Robert Morris, Sam Houston, Utah State, San Jose State, San Diego State, and Wyoming. So basically they played a Michigan schedule, but – they don't get ranked two. They get ranked 22. And then uh, Liberty, who's 7-0, and is not ranked at all because disrespect 
just runs. I mean, you got to keep enough spots for the Big Ten. They got 14 teams right now. You got to give them at least seven to eight spots, right? They do that every year for no apparent reason. And teams like Liberty get pushed on the wayside. Liberty's in the Conference USA for the first time ever, and they're seven and oh, they're already bowl eligible, and they have been wonderful. I mean, think about what they've done and, and think about the success that Liberty has had. I got to watch them come to the dome in back to back years. And, you know, I got to say that they've definitely done a lot of great things. And Jamie Chadwell is their head coach right now. And they may, you know, people look at their success and you're like, oh, well, Hugh, Hugh Freeze did it. And now Hugh Freeze is, you know, gone from Liberty, obviously. And they're still winning, winning with Chadwell and they're seven and oh. So I think they should deserve to be ranked bare minimum in the top 25 at 25. But you got to have a two loss UCLA team in there for no reason. And you got to have an Iowa team in there that's six and one. And you got to, you know, put these other teams in that have multiple losses. I mean, LSU, five and two. You, they got to put them there. Notre Dame is six and two. This is Notre Dame's schedule. They beat Navy unranked. They beat Tennessee State. Raise your hand if you knew that that was a school unranked. They beat NC State unranked. They beat Central Michigan unranked. They lost by three to Ohio State at home. They lost, or pardon me, they defeated Duke 21 to 14, which is a good game. And they lost to Louisville. And then they beat USC, who's ranked way too high. I mean, USC, again, we look at, and, and I don't know what it is about the Pac 12. I don't know if it's like a swan song. We feel sorry for you guys. But Washington's ranked high. Oregon's ranked high. USC's ranked high. USC lost by 28 points, and they were considered the number 10 team in the nation. And they lost by 28. But what does that do? It makes Notre Dame look good, right? Notre Dame beat a top 10 team. No, they didn't. They beat a team that was ranked top 10. They didn't beat a top 10 caliber team. They beat a team that happened to be ranked 10th in the nation at the time. I mean, if we're going to make rankings, folks, why don't we start doing it where we're actually voting for teams where maybe we've watched the games, maybe we've paid attention to what they've done, maybe we're not doing this based on personal bias or somebody saying something to us about something, or you know the the movie Rudy being a really good movie, or Ohio State had good quarterbacks like 20 years ago. I mean, yeah, I like C.J. Stroud in the NFL right now, but beyond him, who's been there? I mean, a lot of these guys changed position a wide receiver because they weren't making it in that respect in the NFL. Notre Dame hasn't had a good quarterback in a million years, and the only one that they have had recently is Sam Hartman, and that's because they went and took him in the transfer portal from Wake Forest. It's not like they found him on their own. He was already a proven product at Wake Forest. So, I mean, looking at these rankings, all I can say is I apologize to Air Force and I apologize to Liberty because you are undergoing – and it's not my thing to apologize for – but I'm apologizing because the powers that be will not apologize to you that you're not ranked here because they have to fill spots with Pac-12 and Big Ten schools because they pander toward them instead of giving respect. If you're undefeated halfway through the season, you should be ranked in the top 25. There's 10 teams in the nation that are unranked, and there's 25 spots. And you're telling me that you can't find a place for Liberty? That's that's despicable. It's deplorable and it's wrong. So with that being said, let's jump into the schedule. Because we're at the midpoint of the season, we have games on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and on Saturday all throughout the day. So think about it like this, PJ. 
the NFL gives us Thursday night football. Then they give us Sunday and Monday. College football gives us Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So there's not a day of the week where there's not a football game on at this point in the season. What are your thoughts on the first game that we're going to talk about, which will be Penn State at Ohio State? It looks like the battle of two top seven teams, but they do this every year. They rank Penn State high. They rank Ohio State high. And as long as they stay undefeated or lose one game minimum, they will keep them in the top 10 or keep them in the top 13 to make this game look like it is a massive national game. When in actuality, it's two Big Ten schools that haven't really been battle tested facing off against each other for the rights to stay in the top seven when neither of them have deserved to be in the top seven up to this point. What are your thoughts? Oh, PJ, can you hear us? Hold it, Daniel. Okay. So we got waiting on PJ's audio here, but we're going to discuss. Okay, I got a problem with it. Hold on a okay. Yeah, no worries. So what we'll do is we'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll come with Penn State, Ohio State, right after this on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports truly meets life. In these unique times, there are those in our community that give us a sense of normalcy and positivity. Pizza Man on 50 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville has been here for you for over 35 years and is here now. Call 315-638-1234 or order online at pizzamanbville.com to bring those familiar tastes into your home. And remember to come see our monthly on-site broadcasts centered around the community and our Baldwinsville Bees. Pizza Man in Baldwinsville. Any way you slice it, they are always here for you. Looking for your next ride? Look no further than Great Lakes Honda City, located on 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard in Liverpool, New York. Serving our community for decades, their new and pre-owned vast array of vehicles are available to you Monday through Saturday on site. To search from home, shop at GreatLakesHondaCity.com. Call 315-365-5576 to set up an appointment. That's 315-365-5576 for Great Lakes Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard in Liverpool, New York. Great cars, great people, great lakes. Our corporate purpose at Chick-fil-A is to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and to possibly influence all those who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And what became increasingly clear from our success at Cicero is that people love Chick-fil-A. And also, I think we recognize that you know, we had a great opportunity to grow the brand and grow our platform. I felt incredibly grateful when I was you know, selected to be a Chick-fil-A operator. I think what it's meant for me, what I've come to realize on a very deep level is that this is a calling for me. It's not a career. It's not a job. The Lord called me to be a Chick-fil-A operator and to use these restaurants to glorify him and to positively influence other people. I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. Head to Chick-fil-A Clay on 3974 State Route 31 in Liverpool, New York.
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here where sports meets life. You are watching and listening on Facebook.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, YouTube.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, and on Wake Up Call DT.podbean.com. So however you're tuning in to Wake Up Call up and down the East Coast, the Midwest, the West Coast, and all around this spinning rock that we call Earth, I appreciate you being here with us. And if the aliens are listening, I come in peace, and I hope you do too. So we appreciate you listening as well on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We're here with Papa Joe. We're jumping into our college football picks. So I'm going to go ahead and bring the board up. And PJ, first game, Penn State, Ohio State. What are your thoughts? Well, this really should be a defensive battle. Uh, but I think, you know, for the first time in maybe five years, I'm going to give Ohio State credit uh, because they they actually are a good team this year, and I think they can uh, they have both defense and offense. I think that uh, I think that they win this game easily. Uh, I don't think Penn State is near what what the rank. I mean, that, that's that's face it. Uh, I, I like Ohio State in this game. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ohio State in the matchup as well. You know, of all the Big Ten teams that get ranked way, way too high, way too soon, and they stay up there. Basically, the Ohio, this is how it works in the Big Ten. You get ranked in the top 10, top 15, and as long as you keep winning, you either stay or you keep moving up. So they get set up in the beginning that basically it's like, hey, if you win your games, we're going to leave you at the top. That doesn't happen for a bunch of other schools, but it happens for the Big Ten. The only team that can really back that up in recent history, in my opinion, has been Ohio State. So Ohio State right now, who's only played Notre Dame, who, again, I think was ranked way too high. Uh, all the other teams they played were unranked and they didn't have trouble with anybody. You know, so I, I'm going to put Ohio State in the victory here because I do think that they're better than Penn State. So I am going to give them the win and agree with you on that, PJ, that I'm going to have Ohio State uh, move it on in this one with another victory. UCF at Oklahoma. This is the Big Ten. This is what UCF wanted. Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC next year, which is probably great for UCF. But at least for this one season, this is a Big 12 matchup. UCF is a newbie. Oklahoma is a team with one foot out the door. What do you think about this one? Well, I think Oklahoma has athletes. Uh, I, I watched them a couple weeks ago in a serious effort. Um, I think that they win this game easy. Yeah, I have... Same thing in this one. I, I have Oklahoma in this matchup. You know, I think I think UCF and what I don't understand about about UCF and about Cincinnati and about Houston is if you stayed in the American Athletic Conference and the college football playoff expands to 12, you now have an opportunity in the expanded college football playoff to have a direct shot from the American Athletic Conference right into the college football playoff. And by doing what they did and by leaving, now you've made it ever so hard for yourself to get into the college football playoff. You put yourself behind the eight ball if you're a UCF or you're a Cincinnati or you're a Houston. So I don't know why they did it. I think a game like this is, you know, potentially uh, one of those games where UCF maybe thinks about that. But, you know, money talks to these people and when money, when money is the only reason why you made it or the main reason why you made it, it's doomed to fail when you make decisions based on money and money alone. So UCF, I got them losing this game. I respect UCF, but I don't see how they find a way out of this one. Like I said, they've been humbled. They've played three games in the Big 12, and they've lost all three of them. 
44 to 31 at Kansas State, 38 35 against Baylor, and 51 to 22 on the road at Kansas. So it's not going to get any easier for UCF. And like I said, I feel like they should have stayed in the American where they had a path to the college football playoff. Now, I don't see how they will ever have a path with Utah and Arizona and Arizona State coming in and all that good stuff. So I don't see how it's going to happen, but they made the decision. You'll see them at noon on ABC. Next game we have up, PJ. This is a battle of two military respected programs and uh, Air Force at Navy. This is a big time game. Navy's done some good things this year under Brian Newberry. They're three and three right now. They're on a two game winning streak and they've won three of their last five games. Air Force is undefeated at number 22 in the nation, but this is one of those games where they're playing for a lot more than just wins and losses when the military installments play each other. So what do you have for Air Force at Navy? Well, I like Air Force, but, you know, these two teams, um, actually, they graduate players, and they're actually, they should be on the pinnacle of everyone's list to talk about college sports, not college football. Uh, Albeit these two teams are never very large. Uh, You know, the defensive lines are not 300 pounds like they are in the SEC, and the offensive lines are not 290 like they are in the Big Ten. You know, these teams play with smaller guys, they're athletic, and which is why they get pushed around by big by bigger teams. But when they're playing each other, uh, it, it's a pretty fair, even match. This game really is, a, is an even game. I think it's an even game. I got Air Force to squeak by, but I think it'll be a pick'em game by the time it comes. Yeah, you know, I, the good thing about this Navy team this year is we have seen them score. I mean, it, it hasn't been as... I mean, more often than not, they're doing it. There's There's been a couple games where they really struggled. But outside of that, you know, we've seen them score 24 points twice, 30 points, and 27 as well. as And, and then in the other games, they scored three and 14. But And they went one and one in those games. I think Navy's got something here that uh, could be special. I really do. I think this could be a bowl team this year. So... You know, Air Force, Navy, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to pick the upset here. I'm going to pick the Navy midshipman and Brian Newberry, who I've spent some time with on the broadcast. I'm going to pick them over Air Force to hand Air Force their first loss of the season. I think Air Force is a good team. The game is at Navy in Annapolis, Maryland at noon Eastern time on CBS. And you should be watching that game on my birthday. After you wish me a happy birthday, go watch the game. So the next one that we have up here. You and I talked about this off the air, PJ, that Arkansas is a pretty darn good team in the SEC. Even though they're 2-5, and five, I don't think the record adequately states what they've been doing to kind of push teams, to push the Alabamas of the world. Arkansas is hosting Mississippi State at noon Eastern time on ESPN. Mississippi State's 3-3, three and three, Arkansas is 2-5. and five. What do you got? I saw Arkansas play Alabama, and they gave them all sorts of fits. Um, um, I like Arkansas in this game. I think that... Uh, that game, I think, is, is the midpoint of their, their their season, and they should be, even though they lost to a better team, but they played them tough, and I like Arkansas. We're both going with Arkansas in this matchup as well. You know, they almost got the best. Alabama squeaked by a, a, a couple games this season that could have easily put them in disaster territory with two losses. And they put, you know, you look at Arkansas, they were on the road at Ole Miss, and they lost by a touchdown. On the road at Alabama, they lost by a field goal. 
And on the road at LSU, they lost by a field goal in that game as well. They've been very close to games. BYU is within a touchdown. Of all of their losses this season, they've all been a touchdown difference or less, except for the Texas A&M game where they lost in that game by by uh, 12 points. So besides that, they've played these teams close, including Alabama. So I got Arkansas winning this game because those games that I told you were close, they lost on the road. This one's at home. So I'm going to go with Arkansas in this matchup. Uh, next game that we have up here that I want to discuss, PJ, Washington State at Oregon. Washington State is 4-2. and two. They're on a two-game losing streak at UCLA and at home against Arizona. On the other side of it, we have Oregon, who's ranked in the top nine after defeating unranked, 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 and then beating Colorado, and then unranked, and then losing to Washington, who was ranked. Do you believe in the Oregon Ducks, and who do you think is going to win the game? Um, after watching Oregon play Washington, uh, Oregon can score on anyone. Uh, they're an amazing football team, uh, just like they did against Colorado. Um this guy, who the coach, I'm really not too familiar with him, but he's got an offensive mind, and he's got the players. They play fast, and they got Bo Nix, who's, who I watched uh, play in the South. Uh, I think they win this game. And Oregon is not an easy team to play, Daniel. A defensive team thinks they can play Oregon, ain't yeah. going to work. Oregon wins. Yeah, Oregon, you know, looking at their scoring, like you said, they can score. They have scored – their, their lowest total that they have this season is 33 points, and that was in a loss. They had 33 up against Washington's 36. In their other games, all victories, they scored 42, 42, 55, 38, and 81 points. The Oregon Ducks are a team that offensively maybe should have went to the Big 12 because you don't have to play defense there. And the Oregon Ducks have definitely shown me that they are a team, a force to be reckoned with. They're ranked high right now. And I'd like to see them against some better competition. But what they have shown me is whoever straps up against them, their worst game is 33 points. That says something. Oregon Ducks, I got them winning this one and moving forward to be six and one and bowl eligible this season. Next game we got up PJ, Tennessee at Alabama. Alabama has one loss and they have squeaked by in a couple games, like I said. Tennessee has lost to your Florida Gators. And beyond that, they don't have a loss. They're looking to be bowl eligible after defeating Virginia, Austin P, UTSA, South Carolina, and Texas A&M. On the other side of it, the Alabama roll tide, roll tide, roll some tide, and you better roll tide. The Alabama Crimson Tide have defeated Middle Tennessee, lost to Texas by 10 with a preview of Texas joining the SEC and what that could look like. Defeated South Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State on the road, Texas A&M on the road, and Arkansas at home. Their game against Texas A&M, they won by just six points. Their game against Arkansas, they won by just three their game on the road at South Florida, a team who hasn't been good in many years but is trying to get back on it with Coach Golish taking over. They only won that game 17-3. Alabama has been dancing with that potential second loss. Do they get it in this game or not? They, um, 
Alabama, for the first time in recent memories, does not have a quarterback. Uh, they got uh, uh, they got three. One of them, I can't take one of them. They got three eligible quarterbacks, and uh, this kid Milrow, who I thought two weeks ago did a heck of a job, uh, just he threw well, sort of like against Arkansas, but then he didn't throw well. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, Complete fifty percent of his passes. Um, Tennessee is a is a good football team, and frankly, they should have beat Florida. But um, with with Alabama playing as poor as they're playing for them, you know this team this this game is at home. But I, you know, I look for Tennessee as an upset here, Daniel. Ooh. I'm really going on a limb. I didn't think I would do that, but I'm going to go on a limb here because Tennessee is well coached and they have good players, and they can play with them. PJ going Tennessee. I was writing down Bama. I thought he was going to go with Alabama. PJ decides that he's going with the Tennessee Volunteers and the Alabama Crimson Tide being at home. This is a really tough game for me. But again, you know, you look at Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. What do they have in common? They both once worked together on the Cleveland Browns when the Cleveland Browns were an atrocious franchise. They were so bad back then. Who would have thunk it that you would have both of these coaches on the same staff and then the team wouldn't be that good now seeing what Belichick and Nick Saban have done. But Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, as much as they get that respect and that clout for all that they've done, look at Bill Belichick without a quarterback this year. And what is he? One in five. Look at Nick Saban without a proven quarterback who's your dominant guy. And where is he right now? close to being knocked out of the college football playoff. So as good as these coaches are, the reality is if you don't have a quarterback to lean on, you got you, you don't have much. And as good as these coaches have been, and as much as we talk about them being the gurus, without a Tom Brady, Bill Belichick is floundering. And Nick Saban, without the Tua's and the, and it's ironic, but the Mac Jones of life, because Mac Jones is struggling with New England, but Without the Tua's and the Jalen Hurts's and the so on and so forth, we're not seeing Alabama the way that we've seen Alabama. Two extremely well-respected coaches struggling at the quarterback position, which has affected the team overall, showing you just how important that position is. I'm going to go in this game, and I'm going to Seacrest this thing for as long as I can. <laughs> So I'll do, I'm going to do it like Ryan Seacrest. Here we go. Let's see if I can do it like Ryan Seacrest. Today, I will be picking Tennessee versus Alabama. Tennessee, a strong team. Alabama, also a strong team. Tennessee with Josh Heupel, a coach that I have covered for a long time, and the Nick Saban side. I've interviewed Nick Saban, and I've had the opportunity to speak with him on the biggest stage of the college football playoff. So I will be going with, in this matchup, I will tell you right after this. No, I'm not going to do that. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and go with in this. I'm going to give the slight squeak. I'm going to give the squeak to. Oh, this is so hard. I think I'm going to go with. See, I went one way and now I'm thinking the other way. This is literally a pick em game because I'm sitting here struggling with it. I'm going to go with Tennessee in this game. I, I was going to go Alabama, but I'm going to agree with PJ. On on my birthday, I'm going to go with Tennessee in this matchup. And 
Let's see what happens. Alabama, they've been like literally right on the line of losing their second game for two weeks in a row. And now you got to play Tennessee coming into town. So I think there's a little bit of a danger zone. I'm not going to be surprised if Alabama squeaks by, but I feel like that second loss has been right there and it might happen this week. Next game up, PJ. This game was not carried by the AC by uh, Disney. Disney didn't want this game. They didn't want it on ESPN. They didn't want it on ABC, allegedly. They they threw this over to the CW network. Even though the team's undefeated, North Carolina will not be playing on a Disney-owned network channel. They'll be playing on the CW. Virginia at North Carolina. North Carolina ranked 10th in the country, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. What do you got? Well, North Carolina really is, is, is setting the, uh, the college game on its on his ears. Um, I didn't think it would be near this good this year. Um, and because of that, they're playing at home. So uh, I'm, I like North Carolina here. Yeah, I'm going with North Carolina in this one. I think North Carolina's in a place right now where North Carolina and Duke are fighting for who's going to play Florida State in the ACC championship. If it happened today, it would be North Carolina. So we shall see as we go forward here. Let's do the lane train, 7 p.m. Eastern time. The lane train pulls into War Eagle, Auburn, going into Alabama to face off against the Auburn Tigers. Do the Ole Miss Rebels get a victory here, ranked 13th in the nation, or does Auburn spoil the lane train? <laughs> um, I think Mississippi just too tough for Auburn. Auburn has not, last couple of years, hasn't played up to their potential. Um, because I always think of Auburn, Alabama being, you know, one of the SEC games of the year. Uh, that's not happening lately. Uh, and the reason is because the other teams are getting better. And Ole Miss is one of those teams. Ole Miss. Yeah, I got Ole Miss in this matchup as well. I just feel like the lane train is doing what he needs to do to get to where he needs to be. There's some games that I pick them to upset teams and they haven't come through, but this one's not an upset. I have them winning it. It'll make them bowl eligible this season. They lost to Alabama by 14 on the road. They defeated LSU at home in a shootout, 55-49. to 49, And they defeated a ranked Tulane two, two on the road at Tulane. That's a good victory because Tulane's a lot better than people give them credit for. Uh, they won that game 37-20. to 20. So I'm going to go with Ole as well, the Ole Miss team. I will be picking them. A lot of these big-time ranked games are going to be happening at nighttime. PJ's going to have to stay awake for some of these games that are going to be coming up later on in the night night so we have i'm gonna wait on this one let's do army at lsu army has had themselves a good season army well you know record wise they have it let me put it to you like this army has done some things they played a tough game against boston college they played a pretty good game against syracuse for the first half definitely and they defeated utsa on the road so army has still got some work to do an uphill climb at two and four but they're going to go in and play LSU, and LSU's been up and down. Does LSU get spoiled, or do they become bowl eligible in this game? Uh, I like LSU. I think you're going to see the discrepancy between the, the size of the players and the way uh, the SEC plays against other teams. Uh, they're just they're just too big and too strong, I think, LSU. Yeah, I'm going to go with LSU in this game as well. You know, it's funny because looking at the record of Army – I feel like they're a better team than their record shows them, but we'll see. I mean, they're trying this new offense. They're trying to change things. It didn't work at Georgia Tech. I don't know if it's going to work at Army, but 
you know, we shall see. I got LSU winning the game, especially at home. Utah at USC, two teams ranked in the top 18 in the Pac-12. Why? I don't know, but they are. So <laughs> USC is playing Utah. I will give Utah credit that they typically play spoiler to the USC's and the Oregon's of the world when they're trying to make the college football playoff and they have to face Utah at the end of the season and Utah ends up bumping them out. Utah's on the road, USC's at home. What do you got? Well, last week, Caleb Williams uh, didn't play up to his Heisman potential. He, uh, frankly, laid an egg. He had three interceptions. Uh, I don't know why that game was in there. <laughs> came out like that. I mean, he's not, after watching him for a year and a half, he seems like he's really unflappable. Um, but I think he comes back on the track here. This kid's exceptionally talented, and uh, he's a he's a bigger version of Young from California, from Carolina, played at Alabama. Uh, he's he's bigger and stronger than uh, Young, and uh, he's he's going to be a hell of an NFL quarterback. And because of that, I think he wins this game easy. Yeah, Utah's been a spoiler, and this game is at home at USC. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be interesting. And I think this is one you should definitely listen or watch. But I'm going to give USC the slight edge in this matchup. Caleb Williams could be the number one pick of this upcoming NFL draft. And I got to see him live at the Cotton Bowl January 2nd in the beginning of this year when he played phenomenal and they still lost to the two-lane green wave. Shout out to Willie Fritz and the crew and Tajay Spears, who's now a running back for the Tennessee Titans. Next, and my guy Patrick Jenkins and and Michael Pratt, and so on and so forth at Tulane. Moving on from here, PJ, Clemson at Miami. Clemson is 4-2. and two. Miami is, at this point, also 4-2. and two. Miami has not won a game in the ACC. Those are their only two losses. Clemson is 2-2 two and two in the ACC, having played a lot of ACC games early, including their loss to Duke. What do you have for Clemson at Miami? Well, I'd like to see the Clemson of old come up here. Um, I think that they have the team to do it, even though they're playing at Miami. Um, I like I like Clemson in this game for an upset. This is really a pick em game, really. But it's a guy like Clemson. Yeah, I got to go with Miami in this matchup, being at home. The tickets, believe this or not, PJ, with everything down in Miami and, and things being expensive in certain places, it's only $18 to go to this game. So... Clemson and who would have thunk Clemson at Miami would be 18 bucks when that was your ACC championship, you know, in recent history. So I'm going to go with Miami in this one. Clemson gets their third loss tough, but I got Miami at home. I just think they're going to do too much. Last game I want to hit here, unless you got one that I missed PJ is I want to go to the Duke at Florida State game. Duke is ranked 16th in the nation. Florida State is fourth. I still think Florida State is the best team in the country right now. I think it's between them and Georgia, in my opinion, but I think Florida State's been more battle-tested than Georgia up to this point. Uh, Notre Duke only has one loss. It's to Notre Dame by seven at home. And that was an interesting game, though, because Riley Leonard, who is a quarterback that I've known for a while, consider him a friend, he gets hurt in this game. And, you know, in this Notre Dame game, when this game could have been closed out, Duke could have won it. So they could very well be 6-0 and right now. Florida State is 6-0. and Who's going to win the game? Um, well, you know, we've been shooting the horn for Florida State for a while, and there's, there's no reason for them to lose this game. The only comment I'd like to make is that uh, Duke played Notre Dame tough. Um, 
in Notre Dame one. Now you're going to see Florida State beat a good Duke team, and you're going to beat them rather easily. And then you can determine how good Notre Dame is if they couldn't if they just got by Duke by seven points. That's how I equate things when I do when I do some handicapping. If Florida State could, they're going to run away from this game. This this is not going to be a close game, Daniel, and it's going to cause ripple rippling effects because Notre Dame is going to be on the end of it. Yeah, you know, and, and again, that's the whole. Your argument is if A equals B and A then and B equals C, then A equals C. So looking at that, and I I agree. I think I think Florida State's going to win by twenty plus in this game. I really do. I think they're going to they're going to win by three or four touchdowns in this matchup. And I respect Duke. I just think Florida State is the best team in the nation, and I think they're going to continue to show us that in this matchup because Duke has definitely garnered some respect and well well earned respect this season. And I'm going to go with Florida State to win the matchup, and PJ and I are going to go to a fast break. When we come back, we will wrap things up with NFL coverage as PJ and I will take the time to go through the NFL schedule for Week 7 and tell you who we think is going to take the cake on my birthday weekend. Coming up here right after this on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports truly meets life. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or iced milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, Carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. GG Cards and Breaks located for you on 639 Delmar Place in Syracuse, New York is your one-stop shop for all your sports card needs. They have singles, they have graded cards, they have packs, and they also have boxes for you to open. On top of all of that, they are the only store that I know of anywhere that I've been that has major league, every Major League Baseball, every NFL, and every NBA team. You can go in there as a Yankee fan, a Cowboy fan, and a Celtic fan and find cards of all of those teams on the back wall at GG Cards and Breaks. I'm a Toronto Toronto Raptor, Arizona Diamondback, Jacksonville Jaguar, and I can go there and look through those cards and find inserts, find autographs, find 
bat cards, patch cards, so on and so forth, rookie cards. They have great stuff at GG Cards and Breaks. The quality is impeccable, and they treat you so very well. Their customer service is wonderful, and it's what made me want to work with them was the way that I was treated the day I went in there on Father's Day with my dad uh, back here in July. So definitely implore you to go over to GG Cards and Breaks today, or Father's Day is, it? I think it's in June. I don't know why I said July. But GG Cards and Breaks, I implore you to go over there Monday through Sunday. They're open 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday, and on Sunday from 10 to 5, you can go to GG Cards and Breaks for more information. That's ggcardsandbreaks.com, and on social media at Gideon's Gallery and at GG Cards and Breaks on Instagram. So phenomenal place, phenomenal people, phenomenal service. And once you get those cards and you want to put them away in your binder, you can get your binders as well as your hard cases, your top loaders, and your sleeves all on site, on location, your one-stop shop for your sports card hobby, as well as for Pokemon, Disney, Lorcana, and more. And they're the only place that I know that has AEW wrestling, soccer, men's and women's soccer, as well as baseball, football, basketball, hockey cards. They have everything there for you. And you can go out there today to see just how incredible their service is and how awesome their products are at GG Cards and Breaks, 639 Delmar Place in Syracuse, New York. Loving up the hobby with this same hobby and new memories every single day. With that being said, we're back here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora with Papa Joe. And we're having a good time here. I need that to be my hotkey. I'm working on hotkeys here in the studio where I could just hit it and it just does a Joe. So we can have a good time here when uh, when we get PJ PJ on. Every Thursday, Papa Joe takes over the show with me. And it is time for us in my birthday weekend to decide who will win in the NFL. We've done our college picks. It's time to do the NFL week seven. There are six teams off. So if you're playing fantasy football, you can go and watch my fantasy football broadcast on YouTube.com and Facebook.com, both backslash wake up call DT. Get all my fantasy advice for every matchup from Thursday night, which is tonight, Jacksonville at New Orleans, all the way to Monday night, San Fran at Minnesota. Make sure that you make your adjustments on fantasy football for the teams that are off this week. This is the largest bye week of the season thus far with six teams on break. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Dallas Cowboys, the Tennessee Titans, the New York Jets, the Carolina Panthers, and the Houston Texans are all going to be off this week. So make sure you make an adjustment to that. And that shortens our schedule. PJ, we have Jacksonville at New Orleans to start things off. Who is winning this matchup? Well, of course, we're going to pick Jacksonville. I mean, uh, I'm not, even if, the, even if New Orleans was a better team, I wouldn't pick New Orleans. And they're not a better team. So I think Jacksonville's defense really needs to step up as we talk about the possibility of, of Trevor Lawrence not playing. Um, he may, he's, I'm sure he's going to play. Now, how much he plays, I don't know. If the game gets out of hand, maybe they'll pull him. It gets out of hand either way, you know. Um, you, you, you know, I just, you just got to like the way the way Jacksonville's playing this year, the way they taking care of business, the way Patterson is doing his thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and I would I would say, you know, in, in this matchup, I think Jacksonville, I think they have more firepower. I really do. I mean, obviously you want to see a healthy – Trevor Lawrence out there, but I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars to 
win this game as well. They gave me an early birthday gift when they won their matchup at home that I was at and doing interviews at against the Indianapolis Colts to start off my birthday week. But as of right now, I just I feel like they're the better team. New Orleans, I mean, they're three and three. Uh, Jacksonville's four and two. New Orleans also lost to the Texans like the Jaguars did. They lost to them on the road, though, in a closer game. They defeated the Patriots, the Panthers, and the Titans, three teams that haven't been that good. They lost to the Packers and the Bucks. you know, a, a little step above teams here. So we shall see a uh, game time decision for Trevor Lawrence, but I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars in this matchup. If Trevor, Trevor's able to go, I feel like Jacksonville's got it. And if not, they got a good enough defense and run game that hopefully C.J. Beathard can lead the way. So, so I'm going to go with Jacksonville. Sunday, we have Las Vegas Raiders going up against the Chicago Bears. Chicago is awful, and the Vegas Raiders are not as awful. What do you have, PJ? Oh, geez. That Raiders. Um, you know, uh, Justin Fields got hurt again for the Bears. And uh, I, they're going to be bringing in a kid, a rookie kid, that played at Shepherd College. I never heard of Shepherd College, and I don't know where it is. But the kid looks like he's the player. I think that's him, at least. Anyway, Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't know if he's going to play. He got hurt. Uh, but he doesn't run it off that much, so I don't. I don't know. I, I like the Raiders because uh, I don't I don't think that Chicago would have a competitive team with Fields, and they're not going to have a competitive uh, team without Fields. Tyson Badgett, the rookie out of Shepard, as PJ is discussing here. And in uh, Shepard, I'm going to tell you right now, so Tyson Badgett here, who is going to be starting for the Chicago Bears, is coming to us from Shepard, and Shepard is, and I want to go back here and look at their football team, Shepard comes to us from West Virginia, so uh, we have the Shepard team, and Shepard is in the PSAC of the NCAA, and so that is the official Pennsylvania State Athletic, no, this can't be right, oh, it is right, is it right? This is very confusing. So it's a Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference, but Shepard's in it, even though they're not in Pennsylvania. So this is this is very confusing. They're in West Virginia. So that's what we're looking at here. And it's NCAA Division Two. So Tyson. It's a fantastic story. So Tyson Badgett, Division Two player, getting his first start ever and in his rookie season. Go out there and let it fly, young buck. I hope you have a great time, and I hope you play it well, and I hope things go well. I'm going to go with the Raiders in the matchup, but I hope that uh, Badgett goes out there and has a heck of a debut as a rookie. Even though I'm not picking the Bears to win as a team, I'm hoping the best for Badgett out of Shepard. Cleveland Browns at the Indianapolis Colts. Season-ending surgery for Anthony Richardson. Go. So Anthony Richardson is out for the rest of the season, which means it's Minshew Mania in Indianapolis. Who wins this one, Cleveland or Indy? Well, Cleveland's quarterback uh, Watson is hurt too, so um, and they don't have a good team either. Although they beat San Francisco, how that blocked San Francisco, I don't understand it. But anyway, Minshew should should come through pretty close on this one. I think Indy wins it. Yeah, Dorian Dorian Thompson Robinson. 
also a rookie, 2023 draft pick, round five, pick 140 by Cleveland out of UCLA is their quarterback. And I believe he utilized the transfer portal in his time. So we got two backup quarterbacks playing in this game. And you went with who, PJ? Indy. So going with Indy, the home team in this matchup, Cleveland's defense was was there in that game against San Fran in a low scoring game. Cleveland gets the victory, the first loss for San Fran this season, 19 to 17 in the matchup here. Cleveland Browns not too shabby, but I'm going to go with Indy in this one. They're at home and I think they got enough and don't count out Minshew Mania. I know that he's made some mistakes, but he's also a better quarterback than people give him credit for. So, let's see Indy with this victory moving forward in this game and a healthy and safe recovery for Deshaun Watson and Anthony Richardson and a successful surgery that is 100% awesome for Anthony Richardson. I pray and I hope to you that all works out for you, brother. Buffalo at New England, PJ. Buffalo has a quarterback. New England, they got a problem everywhere. New England, two worst losses in Bill Belichick's career have happened in back-to-back games this season. The New England Patriots are one in five, and all of a sudden, Patriots fans are really quiet. I'm not hearing anybody going, yeah, Bill Belichick, he's the greatest. He's the best ever. You got to go see him. You got to get some lobster, some Dunkin' Donuts, some Bill Belichick, sit in your chair and watch him play the game. Nobody's talking about the Patriots right now. How these fans were obnoxiously loud and crazy, and now they've all seemed to have gathered under the same rock. What do you have for this one? Well, I hate to see New England go through what he's going through. Mac, Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I mean, I don't I don't know what's happening over there, whether the offensive coordinator or something's not jiving. Uh, because this kid's a player. I mean, he proved he's a player. Uh, you can play for Alabama, you're a player, period. Um, I don't know what's happening. But anyway, the, the Bills should run up the score pretty easy. Yeah, I got I got the Bills in this one. Uh, The New England Patriots, my, how the mighty have flipped the script here. When Buffalo used to steal one from them, now Buffalo's the team that's light years better on paper, at least. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills in this matchup, and I hope they get things figured out in New England and make it at least interesting. We'll see what happens from here. Washington Commanders, their third name in five years, the Washington Commanders against the New York Giants. What do you have, PJ? Well, we don't know if Jones is going to play for New York. So. Or Saquon. Yeah, uh, I like Washington. Uh, the kid Howell is playing a good game. He's playing tough. I like him. Washington. Yeah, covered him in college. Sam Howell uh, didn't buy into the Heisman thoughts, but thought that he would get the starting job in Washington as a rookie toward the tail end of the season, and he got the starting job as a rookie toward the tail end of the season. So uh, I'm going to go with the Washington commanders in this one to get the victory atlanta at tampa bay atlanta doesn't play defense tampa has defense but do they have enough offense but wait there's more baker mayfield he's been banged up a little bit pj there is the thought there is the thought the opportunity and the potential that kyle trask go may be playing in this game with a hand injury happening to Baker Mayfield. And the hand injury update against the Lions, we'll take a look at this right now. 
uh, was dealing with an apparent injury to his left hand, uh, finished the game 19-37. And so uh, it's not his throwing hand, but the kind of injury complicates the down-to-down operations of being a quarterback. So uh, he did have an x-ray and it came back negative, which is great for Baker Mayfield, but we could see Kyle Trask in this matchup. What do you have for Atlanta at Tampa? I like Atlanta be, I mean, Tampa because you're at home. And um, Kyle Trask has been knocking at the door for a while. Um, of course, he wasn't going to play with Brady there, but he certainly learned a lot. And Baker Mayfield is the kind of guy that, you know, that Trask can gravitate to because he's such a character. He's probably learning from Baker, too. So even if Baker can't play, I think Kyle can win the game for him. Yeah, I think eventually we're going to see Kyle Trask come out there, and uh, and I'd never want it to see because of an injury. So I think eventually we'll see him out there. And shout out to Baker for being a starter once again. I appreciate and respect it. And to Kyle Trask, shout out on your patience and everything you've learned. I think Kyle's going to do some good things. And if he gets in this game, I think he's going to throw a couple touchdowns. But I got Tampa either way. They they got their defense too, and Atlanta's got some firepower, but. They don't have any defense. It's been a long time since the Falcons had some defense. Detroit at Baltimore. Detroit arguably very well could be undefeated right now. And the Baltimore Ravens, they're four and two. They've lost to the Steelers. They've lost to the Colts. But they found a way to beat the Titans recently here. And they almost shut out the Browns 28 to three on the road. What do you have for Baltimore and Detroit? A very good game. Detroit is a dangerous team this year. J- Golf just lights up. He, he he's always been a good quarterback. I thought he was good when he was with LA. I have no reason why they had to switch quarterbacks like that. But he came over here, started playing for Detroit. Detroit is super dangerous. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson going to do his thing in Baltimore. Um, I think Detroit can win this game. So I think they got a little bit more offense, and they can keep Lamar Jackson in check. Detroit. Detroit's put up 21, 31, 20, 34, 42, and 20 points so far this season. They are 5-1. and one. On the other side of it for the Baltimore Ravens, the Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson and dealing with injury woes to the backfield again, as they have for every season in recent history with Lamar Jackson, unfortunately. The, they've scored 25, 27, 19, 28, 10, and 24. The Baltimore 